his poem Introduction to Poetry, Billy Collins talks about how he wants his students to hold a poem up to the light or press an ear against its hive or water ski across its surface waving at the author's name on the shore. But he says what they naturally do instead is tie it to a chair and start beating it with a hose to get its confession, to find out what it's about. Well, what we're about here on What Are You Reading is using that question of what we're reading to unlock community, to get deeper into who we are as people, and to learn about our city here in Atlanta. And so we're really grateful to have a guest, actually since the very beginning when we thought of this podcast. Uh, she was one of the first people we thought of having on a guest. We have in the studio today with us Kitty Murray, the founder of Refuge Coffee Company. Um, it began as a coffee truck and has in- evolved into a lot of other things, all of which we love. So Kitty, tell us a little <laughs> bit about Refuge Coffee Company. All right. Um, I love that, by the way. I, poetry is my main thing I love to read. Um, and I don't beat it with a <laughs> I just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Refuge began as really kind of a love letter to our community. We, my husband and I live in Clarkston. Um, so um, refugees and non-refugees are our neighbors and we love them. And when we moved there five years ago, kind of my first impulse was um, I love my neighbors and there's so many people not far from here who don't know a single refugee and they've missed out on beauty and heroism and like the value of people and and i just wanted to introduce them you know how when you Mm -hmm. meet somebody new and you think of your old friend that you want them to know you know that's just the heart of networking i guess so um it's it's a long story but refuge began that way but it also began as a way to meet a need that was pretty um intense in our community and that's for jobs that are mm-hmm. that are life-giving and right there so so what we do is we employ and train resettle refugees and immigrants who live in our community um, and we train them in barista skills but way beyond that they do catering with us they uh, we teach a lot of soft skills that are needed just to make it in this country and um, and what began is like a little coffee truck with some some chairs and tables which you guys have been to when it was just right up on the street and mm-hmm. we were there two yeah. days a week and <laughs> you know we and I was there every time it was open because mm-hmm. I thought it wouldn't happen if I wasn't right there <laughs> and um so it started like that and we we catered from our truck and then we eventually bought a second truck and now we have space right mm-hmm. there in Clarkston so we have a coffee shop so we've been able to do that thing that I really wanted to do from the beginning which is introduce mm-hmm. people to each other in a space that's non-threatening and yeah agendaless and safe so yeah and has good coffee yes <laughs> yeah and actually so I work on a church staff at Open Table Community and we've started meeting there just because it's a nice space oh, where man. you can see so yeah. on Tuesdays we're there um just meeting and talking I about church that. business but we love the common space and we also love who comes around while we're there oh, it's yeah. very diverse you know we just we just recently traveled to nepal and yeah. there are all kinds of nepali people sitting around yeah. hanging out so i just i love the space you've created and the thing that sparked the our interest in inviting you here onto the show was i think you had a uh, surgery or something recently Oh, I, <laughs> it, I have not had it. Okay. No, I okay. have not had it. I had to put it off 
partly because of some things that have happened at Refuge, but partly oh, personal. Wow. Okay. So I haven't had it yet, but I'm fine. I'm okay, fine. Yeah. And yeah, that was but the best book people, list ever. Yeah. Yes. You oh, ask people online what you should read during yeah. your recovery. Yeah. And um, and I always resist the temptation to post on threads like that because I'm like, this person has a hundred recommendations yeah. and I need to know a person really well. And even then I'm very careful about mm-hmm. recommending mm-hmm. books. So I didn't post on that, but well, I thought <laughs> if she's spending, if her first question about that recovery period is what should I be read, reading? Yeah. Yeah. Should be an ideal. Whoa, this is perfect. <laughs> I still refer to that book. The, show. the disappointing thing was I had read about half of the books that were recommended, oh. which is kind of makes me, wow. you know, makes you feel good about yourself, but it, it's like, oh, drat. Yeah. yeah, but that was a great list. Those yeah. were some smart... It was smart... a deluge. It was just a waterfall of, of recommendations. It was pretty great. I Even still me, go I was back to it. it. Yeah, I yeah. scroll back to it because I when I need something new. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's ask, what are you currently reading? What's what's on your bookshelf right now? Okay, so I have a confession that you, what you just said about poetry is... Um, is affirming because I am not an information gatherer at all. My -hmm. husband is, he has the, you know, the stack of books because you can, and um, Bob out here just said, you know, when you read nonfiction, you can interrupt it. But when you read fiction, you can't, if it's Mm -hmm. good fiction, you have to finish it. Uh And so I prefer fiction. Uh, For years, I wrote nonfiction for, as a ghostwriter for people for a living, but I really don't read a lot of it because I don't know why I don't. So I love to escape into a really good book. But my training, my degree from college is in poetry. So Whoa. not just read, not just literature, but writing it. So mm-hmm. I love poetry. It's funny because I'm a mate. I'm way, I talk way too much. Mm-hmm. But no, I do. But. Well, that's why but, you're here. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, capitalize on that. But um but what poetry is is distilled language. You know, it's yeah. distilled emotion and and visual. And so, I'm not reading any poetry right now. But what I so I'm reading two things mainly. I have about three other books kind of sitting on the shelf. Mm-hmm. But I'm reading A Gentleman in Moscow. Have you oh, heard of this? I've heard of it, and it's on my list. Like I'm going to get to it really soon. I'm it's so excited. It's good. It's so good, and it's oh, wow. um it's interesting because uh it's a man who was you know part of the nobility in mm-hmm. Russia, and then after the Bolshevik Revolution, somehow he survived all that. But mm-hmm. he's under house arrest in this luxury hotel. So I don't know. The premise is a little. You have to mm-hmm. suspend your disbelief a little from the very mm-hmm. beginning, but you get a view of, I love Russian oh. literature. I yes. love Tolstoy. I love, anyway, I love all of them. Yeah. Even Gorky, I kind of like. So <laughs> yes. I oh. am loving I this, this. <laughs> yeah, this because awesome. he was a poet, the mm-hmm. fictional character. So it's just following him and he's, he's a, um, he's a little bit of a, he's not that old, but you think at first that he is, he's a little mm-hmm. set in his ways and all this stuff. And yeah. he's living in this, attic room at this hotel but he but he's at a hotel that has great food and amazing people who visit Uh it and it's just that story so i'm reading that but i'm also here's what and and it's dawned on me over the years that reading for me is an escape so Mm -hmm. i was a runner until last year hence the surgery Mm -hmm. but um and running is an escape as well like it is just a way for me to run away from whatever Mm -hmm. and to I don't know, listen to rap music on my, (laughs) you know, everything. (laughs) And, and so I think reading is an escape, but I, but it's not a bad escape. It's a wonderful escape that I think everybody needs. So yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a question about that. 
um, because I'm curious what you would say. So there are certain escapes which are unhealthy. Right. And I share those two passions of running and reading. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm a trail runner, mm. and I spend a lot of time reading, also with a background in ghostwriting. So yeah. oh, I have that in common yeah. with you. Um, but what distinguishes these things that are like healthy escapes from non-healthy escapes? And reading in particular, like why is it a healthy escape? Why is it good for you to escape that yeah. way where it wouldn't be to escape a different way? Yeah. And the thing I've learned, too, I mean, I'm 60, so... Over the years, I've gotten to grace, like grace with others, grace with myself. You know, my husband talks about seeing people with grace-healed eyes, and I feel like Mm. my eyes have been healed gradually because I think we're, you know, it's really typical, especially in churches, to not start out with grace. And and so I think I've just learned to give myself grace for this is the thing I need, you know, this is and this is how I approach it. So I remember speaking to a group of women about writing and I challenged them to just read really different things, but mm-hmm. things that were like different genres and different. And I told them all, I had just read Swamplandia. Have you read mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. I loved it, <laughs> but you shouldn't recommend it to a group of Christian women in a church setting. Like I didn't realize, yeah. you know, so, and I just read it because the experience of yeah. a very different book yeah. that had, exclamation points everywhere in it and all it broke a lot of rules I just enjoyed mm-hmm. so yeah. um yeah so I think it's good but I do read nonfiction. I mean I read the bible mm-hmm. but I read like every day but I read nonfiction. so I'm also reading this book strengthening the soul of your leadership oh. um because I think another benefit of reading is if you're a doer and I am a, I'm a doer which mm-hmm. is weird that I'm a writer but I'm much I'm I think about what I'm going to do about mm-hmm. what I'm so um, I need nonfiction books that tell me the things I need to hear, you know? Yeah. I don't need a ton of that because I'm not trying to fill my mind with a ton of it. But this book was recommended by a friend at the right time. And mm-hmm. so I oh. read it in little bite-sized chunks, and I, I okay. needed it. And yeah. the name of the book is? Oh, yeah. Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. Okay. Yeah. But even this book, with all its um, information, she tells stories, and her stories, her personal stories are what resonate with me. Like, I just finished Just Mercy. Yeah. Have you read it? Yeah. But what grabs you in that book are his stories, right? And then he fills that in with the meaning to the stories. I think think almost everyone I know who's engaged in, like, messy, difficult community work finds... Like that drink is like a cup of cold water. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I yeah. was I was gonna say the same thing. I feel like most people that meet in involved in a community, involved in the nonprofit world, involved in uh, reaching out and and um, there's something that like reading has almost provided a way to have an open mind to mm-hmm. to be to be willing to explore other ideas, yeah. other cultures. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like, especially now, as of recently with a lot of like negative stigma around certain like buzzwords, like refugee or immigrant, mm-hmm. um, I feel like most people I meet that are, that are, um, that are concerned mm-hmm. for, for those in need, uh, have some sort of reading background right, because right. they've, ex- they've been able to experience through books, right. Um, right. other ideas and other, ex- other, other yeah. lifestyles, other experiences. Yeah. And so, I think that's a, a strong component. Maybe, obviously not, probably not across the board completely, but I feel like there's something to it. Yeah, um, yeah. 
having more of an open mind about things. Yeah, I mean, reading is, I think, I think it's kind of like, it's similar to running in that, like, someone who doesn't do it or doesn't enjoy it is like, you do that to relax? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Right? Like, I work with youth and they're like, and we went to the pool yesterday, right? We had a water, and I'm like, I'm in, I went down the water slides more than any other adult in the park, Mm -hmm. but, um, but every, like, few minutes I'd get out and, like, pop open a chapter of this yeah. book yeah mm-hmm. and they made fun like why would you do that and whenever i talk <laughs> about running because unfortunately like our illustrations of what we talk about end up being whatever our hobbies are right, mm-hmm. right so whenever right. i talk about running everyone's like well, yeah. like who was chasing you <laughs> what's the point of that but oh go ahead sorry oh but i was gonna say i think like with with reading even if it's done for escape and particularly with fiction and i'm i spend most of my time with fiction mm-hmm. um is it exercises our ability to be empathetic and a good mm-hmm. reader yeah. of oh, that's good. a good reader yeah. of fiction is is imagining the things the characters are feeling is you can you can go through an experience like i don't know here's an experience i wouldn't want to go through right yeah. oh, adultery yeah. yeah right but i can get an idea of what it's like to take that journey and maybe more reasons why not to do it if i read madame bovary or uh, anna karenina right. or um, right. So there's there's that sense of empathy you can gain even with often bad people. Right. But, oh, yeah. um, but it puts you into a bigger world, I yeah. feel like, than your own head. So I think, I think, uh, and running's running's the same. Mm-hmm. They're muscles that yeah. get fatigued <laughs> yeah. when you're doing yeah. it, but yeah. they gr- they get stronger yeah. afterwards. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I was uh, gonna completely agree with you with the running because I'm I'm probably the, one of the newer runners. Like I mm-hmm. met like five or six years yeah. ago, started running. And, and initially, I was like, there's no way I'm going to ever enjoy this. I just have, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I need to just do this yeah, so I can yeah. eat what I want to eat, like donuts yeah, and yeah, pizza and yeah, wings. Yeah. And, like, Stop naming foods. Exactly. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Oh, I get hungry. And so, but then, and so initially, I was like, I'm, I'm going to hate this for as long yeah. as I do this, but I have to it. Do it was utilitarian. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. And how now at this point, I can never imagine me like where I am now where I'm like, I just take a random five mile yeah. run and it's yeah. relax. Like I, yeah. I want to do it because I want to relax. Like yeah. I want to like, I, I don't know. I want to kind of, that's, it's so therapeutic now. Yes. And, and something I, I would really have never wish imagined. you would stop because I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and it, is, it, it really, I'm grieving. Yeah. I'm swimming. Yeah. So I go swim, oh, nice. but there's something that running does yeah. that swimming doesn't it's, do. So, but it's yeah. okay. Plus <laughs> again, as a doer, my motor is running mentally mm-hmm. almost all the time. Yes. And so, running gives but it's funny as a writer running often my brain would open up and I'd have ideas Mm -hmm. so I always took a recorder with me and it was always like really breathy recordings but (laughs) I would like record ideas because I would be afraid once I got back to responsibility Mm -hmm. I would lose that yeah I was reading actually I read a lot of writers on running because like that's my that's my those the intersection of two of my passions Um, and Murakami has a good book called what I talk about when I talk about running. And then uh, Joyce Carol Oates has a really good article and she talks about exactly what you're talking about, how whatever's been tangled up in your head when you go on your run. And she was a big runner too. When you go on your run, it gets untangled. So I haven't thought to bring a recorder along. I kind of trust my mind that if something comes untangled during a run, that I'll be able to recall it later. You're young. (laughs) (laughs) But let's go back to empathy for a minute um, because you are working Working in uh, a community that just has an insane level of diversity, actually. Mm-hmm. When my wife and I moved down to Atlanta, 
the first thing that sort of drew us back was Clarkston. Mm-hmm. We didn't end mm-hmm. up living there or working there, but um, we were so interested in this community. Um, and I was wondering, were there some books that helped you sort of get a sense of, of the people you were working with, where they were coming from? What are some good refugee books? Well, there are a lot of them, um, and I can two come to mind. So one is What is the What, Dave Eggers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I love about that book is it's really one person's story, and it's his story in... I believe it's Sudan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's his story here in Atlanta. And the wow. story here in Atlanta was just as emotional, just as harrowing, just as hard, uh, but in a totally different urban way that, mm-hmm. that, so I guess, you know, that your yeah. comment about em- reading and empathy, I mean, it wasn't fiction, but it was written like fiction. Yeah. Um, that book, and I don't remember when I read it. It was before we mm. moved here, I mean, to Clarkston, but... Um, that, that was really impactful for me. And then, um, Outcast United, um, yeah. yeah, And our kids are soccer players. Um, so we, I think we read it because we knew about the Fugees. Mm -hmm. And so then I read it and it's journalistically written, Mm -hmm. but it's written really well. And, um, so those two books and those books are not about the refugee experience necessarily somewhere Mm -hmm. else. It's really about here in our home turf. So, um, yeah, I would say those are two that have really had an impact on me. Yeah, Yeah. and I was grateful when those books came out how widely read they were. It was good to know that people really wanted to know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think think we can, things currently, you can start to feel like the majority of people are kind of hostile to refugees mm-hmm. but um or it's saturated yeah. we're saturated yeah. with information about mm-hmm. it yeah and when i read what is the what i had this feeling like um i guess like 300 something pages yeah about 150 and i was like how much like how much more of this can i take i know but there were some revelations that made it worth yeah right. worth the journey right right um yeah mm-hmm. Another one that I read when we were preparing was They Poured Fire on Us from the Sky, and it was written by three Sudanese. It feels really similar to that one. Uh Uh-huh. But it was written by three Sudanese refugees, and each of them tell their story. Um, So you've got these different threads weaving together. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was – so. I feel like you said when when these books came out, there was a decent amount of popularity – there is this hope, similarly with with myself and, and Beth, that that oh maybe this will turn because we um, actually the first time we moved to Atlanta was because Beth was already living in Atlanta working at World Relief in Clarkston, mm-hmm. and we just knew the majority of the Clarkston community, even the mayor at the time, there was a lot of hostility even within the community towards refugees. Yeah, um, and we were just like we felt like it was just a constant uphill battle. Like we were like there's there's nobody out, there. and so yeah. when these books came out, when I don't know. There seemed to be more talk, and it seemed to be the shedding a more positive light, more encouraging light. There's a lot of hope, and I feel, I feel like since then, it's been really encouraging. Granted, nationally things have been somewhat dismaying, but at least in the Clarkson community, it's been so incredible to see. Yeah. I mean, the the coffee truck for one, but just how much of an interest there is in the community, how much excitement and passion, and um, it's been really, really encouraging. And one thing I mentioned earlier before we were recording, one thing that I love about the coffee truck, and I think that's a trend that's happening within the community, is that 
typical outreach or typical work in the past like hey we're going to go into this neighborhood for a few hours we're going to do what we think works well and then we're going to retreat back to the safety of our homes in suburbia and it's like no like the way you really find out the needs of a community is you be a part of that community and one thing that i've just has really meant so much to me about the the truck the coffee is amazing it's everything about it is so wonderful but the fact that it's there and it's present and it's 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 a part of that of that neighborhood, a part of that community, yeah. the part of the town. Yeah. Oh man, it it really that is what's really yeah, and powerful. it's run it's run you know it's operated from within the community. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. you so you train people right. who are from right. there. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, live really down the street beautiful. from each other. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. yeah. That you know it's funny. My husband and I talk about how we we always had this desire to live incarnationally. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. be like you know. Christ moved into the neighborhood. God moved into the neighborhood. And that idea, but we're also lazy. And so when we lived other places, yeah. <laughs> we were involved with World Relief a little, and we mm-hmm. would do that swoop in, mm-hmm. leave, and not come back for, yeah. you know. And that's, I get it. I get yeah. why that's hard, oh, yeah. but that is encouraging. And sometimes I, but sometimes I feel uh, a little sheepish because we're getting a lot of attention for that. Mm-hmm. Like not just refuge, but a lot of people are, mm-hmm. but there have been people mm-hmm. who've been there for a long time yeah. living there, you know, being neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for some Definitely. reason there's a, there's been a great influx and that mm-hmm. has just been, it is encouraging. Yeah. I just don't want us to get the credit for it. Cause, <laughs> no, 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 cause we're not the only ones doing no, it. Totally. You know? well, stop yeah. giving credit yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Just give us credit for the good coffee. That's and and, point, and that's because we have yeah. amazing baristas and our director of oh, operations yeah. is a stickler for quality. And <laughs> yeah. 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 I just cut them loose. I don't really do much about that. Yeah. And which is great. Now this is, this is kind of moving away from the coffee truck, but I, there's, I've learned, I feel like I already knew somewhat about you, but I feel like I've learned so much just in like, what, how long we've been recording oh. 20 minutes about being a, a major you measuring poetry yeah. um does a lot of that background what uh, what maybe what kind of led you to wanting to major in that what was it i don't know if it was a poet or a certain book of poetry or something was there anything that hit you that kind of let one pushed you in that direction where you wanted to to have that be a part of your life yeah. and actually if you could put us in the scene so remember <laughs> what it was let us know when you read it and how it felt to first read it okay <laughs> I will try to do that. Um, Gosh. Well, it's funny because my parents, so this isn't the scene, but my grandfather was an editor of a magazine, Home Life magazine, but for like 20 years he founded it and he was an editor. So he was a writer, a journalist. Um, But I remember there was a book on my parents' shelf. I so wish I could go back and find it. Who knows what it was? But I would like pretend that I could read it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was, like, yeah. probably a really boring, like, <laughs> book. But, and it was small, so I could, like, put it in my hand and walk around with it. And I remember oh, wow. pretending that I could read the book and I would, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, awesome. I, yeah, yeah, but that's a little scary if you think about what that means about me. But then, like, in second grade, I wrote a book and I got to read it on the intercom to our oh, school. Wow. So I did, I've always wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And then, and it's interesting to me, I will talk to young writers sometimes who don't read. And I always tell them, Whoa. just don't even go there. <laughs> you know, you, you need to read. You yeah. need to soak in as much as you can. And and my kind of our philosophy with our kids was, um, if you don't really get grammar, it's kind of okay. Because mm-hmm. as long as you're reading good literature, and our yeah. our boys all were big readers, so, of, and we made sure they read good things. So, um, 
as much as we could. But um, so I remember, though, in high school, discovering Dylan Thomas and discovering now why can't I think of her name not Sylvia Plath although I discovered her too but she was scary to me (laughs) because of her life you know um oh why can't I remember Edna St. Vincent Millay who yeah yeah well and you know she was anyway so I discovered these poets that just um anyway and so I remember reading them and then we had a literary magazine at my public high school in nashville and i was the editor of the literary magazine and we were like didn't have a budget and we but it was (laughs) so i just think i got into this poetry i loved poetry i loved to do it to write it and um and i love the fact that you can tell a story with it and i I like robert frost like he's kind of not you know when i was in college he was a little passe but i still (laughs) like him and so um yeah, I, but I think there was a little bit of that, you know, you know, I graduated from college in 78, in high school in 74. So I think I was sort of like a flower child wannabe, but I was also mm. not at all, you know, so I think I was just posing a little bit. But poetry was a way to do that. Poetry yeah. was a way to be, and That's I wasn't awesome. musical, so I couldn't really write music or sing it, but mm-hmm. poetry was my art, you know. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always loved it, and I think poetry is again it's distilled language so it's Mm -hmm. even with refuge sometimes i think about that that um we have to distill what we're doing down to its irreducible minimum you Mm -hmm. know and it's and it and it's still beautiful right so that's what we're doing and we always have people kind of trying to knock us well nobody intentionally but all these distractions trying to knock us off of what is our real purpose Mm -hmm. and um you know, that's just been a fun thing to think about. Yeah. Like, I need to see the cadence and see mm-hmm. the, see the, see it. Um, yeah. So, and hopefully it is poetic to the world, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. um, so I think it fits in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. sure. I'm wow. going to make it sound like it does, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's so, yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times as well about your desire, your desire to care for the community mm-hmm. and to, uh, have purpose and direction with Refuge Coffney. Coffney. Coffney? That's okay. That's At least you didn't Coffee. call us Refugee yeah. Coffee because that's, that's your... what people say all the time. Yeah, yeah. I've heard, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. That was your Coffee moment. <laughs> yeah. Coffney. Let's scratch that from yeah. the record. <laughs> um, you've talked about that coming together with your idea. The word you used was incarnational. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there any reading that sort of you either directed you or you would recommend to others who are who are looking like where's the intersection between uh, faith and justice? Because for a long time in recent history, there's been this divide between uh, people who sort of have this very spiritual view of the gospel mm-hmm. and people who uh, believe we should be doing the work of justice. Um, were there any books that do a good job of bringing those two together mm-hmm. for you or reconciling them? I'm embarrassed to say probably not so much, although my husband did. The reason we moved to Clarkston was he was studying to teach a class on biblical social justice. Wow. And he came home one day and he goes, wait, the Bible talks about the widows, aliens, and orphans. And he goes, how have I totally missed mm. that? How yeah. And how do I not know wow. any 
of those, mm-hmm. you know. So so one thing I did early on is I actually went to Chattahoochee Coffee, the mm-hmm. coffee yeah. that's right there on the river. Another and great I, coffee I, shop. It is. Yeah. It is a great one. It, but I just took a journal and I started looking up verses that um, referred to God as a refuge. Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, it's really, really... Um, practical like it's not mm-hmm. just God's a refuge in time of trouble it's like I mean there are verses that say bring food to the refugees like yeah. or yeah. and I so Isaiah especially is just full mm-hmm. of yeah. that's supposed to be what we're about yeah. so there's this picture of us like blessing the whatever part of the world we're in wow. so when we moved to Clarkston I think the question was so we're supposed to be blessings we can do that by just loving our neighbors and doing our jobs, mm-hmm. and that's actually great. But this thing evolved into how can we bless the community? So when we did the race, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the 5K, yeah. that Which, was our goal. Like, we just want to bless. Yes. I won the stroller division this year. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Good for yeah, you, because that's tough. Pushing with a stroller is oh, hard. Yeah, I was, I a, but I had to make up the category because as a dad, <laughs> I never win anything. Well, maybe but. we can. We should add that next year. <laughs> Remind it's me. On, yeah. It's on. Yeah. yeah, but that was cool. It did feel like a blessing. It yeah. felt like all kinds of like I I enjoyed, uh, although there was a a bit of a weird uh, moment. I was running, and then someone I guess who mentored refugees said I forgot how he said it, but I thought it was like maybe he didn't <laughs> think when he said it that he was talking to refugees, like, run. I forget what it was. Anyway, there was a weird moment. Uh -uh. (laughs) Well, you know what? There are weird moments all the time. There was a group of high school kids during spring break, and the girls had on short shorts and hijabs. I think they were just trying. I know, I know. Someone blew a few. They were trying really hard, but, you know. Yeah, maybe we don't need to share that either, but that's, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, that idea of just be a blessing to—I mean, yeah, Yeah, when you provide a common space, right? There's always Mm going to be some tension. Um, I think it's always going to be there's going to be a little bit of awkwardness and a little bit of Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of reason there isn't a lot of good communities because we shy away from that. And I think there comes a point where like you just have to be okay with it and kind of learn to love the awkwardness and the uncomfortable. And it's gotten to a point now where like even at the church, Ian and I attend, like there are moments where. It's pretty diverse. There's a lot of different things that ha- happen, and sometimes it could be awkward. But not. But even when I say it, I feel like I'm saying it in a bad way. But not even a bad mm-hmm. thing. It's just something that I'm not used to. Right. But I love that I could be a part of something that I'm not. That's not yeah. something. That's not part of the way I yeah. do things typically. I, I love that now. Instead of yeah. in the past, I probably would have been yeah. really weirded out about it, yeah. not want to be a part of it. Now I welcome yeah. it. In our community, there are a lot of us who. There's, I think it's the it's privilege and mm-hmm. it's. Um, I don't know. It's so, but then there are the people who choose to give their privilege away, mm-hmm. get really judgmental towards the people who still seem really privileged, mm-hmm. and there's all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah. mm-hmm. figuring out how to just love, love anyway, and yeah. it isn't easy, and we don't always do it right. That's for yep. sure. So, wow. So this has been this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Kitty. This has oh, been so you. great. But uh, but yeah, thank you so much, and uh, thank you too for listening. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, our website is whatareyreadingpodcast.com. And there you'll just find all the variety of ways to get in contact with us, whether it be Facebook, uh, Goodreads, you can email us. And we also have uh, way, different ways to subscribe. Obviously, through iTunes is our biggest, but we've got uh, Google Play up now, Pocket Casts, I mean, uh, kind of whatever your heart desires. If uh, However you're listening right now, I'm assuming you already know how to reach us, but um, there are a variety of ways to subscribe. 
as well. We really, really appreciate your reviews on iTunes. And so if you think about it, um, that's that's one way that really helps us get uh, in the eyes of other people. I think the more reviews, the more subscriptions. Ears more specifically. That's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Eyes and ears, mostly ears. Um, um, on the podcast is through iTunes where um, the ranking, I guess, you know, just based on reviewing and subscriptions, uh, we kind of, uh, people uh, learn about us um, easier based on reviews and whatnot. So just uh, feel free to do that. And thank you already to those who have reviewed us. We're still kind of in shock whenever we see like a new review pop up. We're like, why not? That's not supposed to happen. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, and also Ian, you want to shout out uh, to AVB? Yeah, we're really thankful to be able to record here in the metaphysical reading room of Atlanta <laughs> Vintage Books. If you want to know where it is, well, it might be here or it might not. You just never That's know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Atlanta it will Vintage be in Books. in one sense or another. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Atlanta Vintage Books has been really hospitable uh, to us and has been supportive of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you come in and shop for books here and say Ian and Tim sent you or Tim and Ian, they'll yeah. accept both. Uh, they'll give you a 10% discount. So come on in. Uh, buy a few books, support the bookstore, and uh, let them yeah. know. Let them know uh, where you found out about them. Awesome. So we're gonna end it uh, with a quote as usual. Thanks again, Kitty, for being here. Oh, thank you. Uh, for it's Kitty, fun. for Ian, for uh, myself. I'm Tim. We just want to leave you with this quote from the great James Baldwin: "You think your pain and your heartbreak are unprecedented in the history of the world, but then you read." It was books that taught me that the things that tormented me most were the very things that connected me with all the people who were alive who had ever been alive. Thanks for listening.